This is the 26th session of Look at the Book on Romans 8, and our focus is going to be on verse 30 as we wrap up this paragraph. Father, I pray that the wonder of the depths of the foundation of the greatness of the promise of Romans 8.28 will establish itself in our hearts so that we really believe this promise and live in the freedom and the risk and the love of it. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. What we're seeing here is that Romans 8.28 is being supported, argued for. I preached on this back in the late 80s, and there was a, a skyscraper being built in downtown Minneapolis, and it was going to be, I forget, 35, 40 stories tall. And I passed the, the hole in the ground where it was going to be built one day, and I noticed Good night, that's deep. I think it must have been six floors underground. And I use that as an illustration, preaching on this text, saying, if you're going to build a building as tall as Romans 8.28, where all things work together for good, the worst things in the world work together for good, for those who love God and those who are called, if you're going to build a building like that as you write Romans, you better dig a very, very, very deep foundation, which is what this is. So verses 29 and 30 are the foundation under Romans 8, 28. And here are the arguments. This is sure. All things are going to work together for good because he foreknew us. He chose us, as we've seen that means. And he predestined us to be conformed to the image of his Son, so that he be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he called. And those whom he called, he justified. And those whom he justified, he glorified. So that's the argument. All these bases of this great skyscraper of Romans 8, 28. So, Between predestination and glorification are these two steps, called and justified. Now notice, it doesn't say, and some of those whom he predestined, he called. It doesn't say, and some of those whom he called, he justified. It doesn't say, and some of those whom he justified, he glorified. It simply says, those, 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 meaning all of them, all of them, without exception, no dropouts, no failures. This is an infallible work of God to get the predestined to glorification, no dropouts, no failures, no losses. Everyone who is foreknown and predestined to be in the family and be like the Son will, in fact, get there to glory. And to make sure that it happens between predestination and glorification, God does these two things. He calls, and we saw that that meant not my preaching on a Sunday morning, calling people to faith because many don't believe and therefore aren't justified. 
but all the called are justified. And therefore, what we saw back here in Romans 4 was that the call is an omnipotent, sovereign work of God to bring into being what isn't. I have, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God whom he believed. It's talking about Abraham who gives life to the dead and calls into existence things that don't exist, like my faith. If God left to me or you or any other human the production of loving Christ and trusting Christ and repenting and following Christ, nobody would do it. And we know that because 8, 7, and 8 say that the mind of the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God. Indeed, it cannot. So if God were to leave us to ourselves and not do this omnipotent call like Lazarus, come forth from the dead, nobody would live. We're all dead and blind in trespasses and sins. And this call is what is what gives us life, just like it did Lazarus when Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And after he'd been dead four days, he lived because the call creates what it commands. So that's the first thing God does to get us from the predestined state to the glorified state. He actually intervenes and wakens dead sinners to believe in Christ. And when they believe, they are justified, which implies something absolutely amazing. We know, don't we, from chapter 4, that the justification is the justification of the ungodly. No one, to the one who, who does not work but believes in him, who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. The only people that exist are ungodly people. If anybody is to be justified, it will be the justification of the ungodly. So back here, ponder the implication of that. God foreknew sinful people. God predestined sinful people. Christ was slain before the foundation of the world in the mind of God for sinners, Revelation 13, 8. Why would he do it that way? He did it that way so that the firstborn among many brothers would be exalted not only as an older brother, but as a redeemer, as a justifier. How, how did he bring about this justification? We saw the first way was here in chapter 8, verse what 3. He condemned sin in the flesh. The Son came in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, and he condemned sin in the flesh. God condemned sin in the flesh, namely in the flesh of Christ, my sin was condemned. And so my punishment received a due execution in the crucifixion of Jesus so that I could be declared not guilty. That's an essential component of my justification in the courtroom. And another way is that it says in Philippians 3.9, I count everything as rubbish that I may be found in Christ, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. I'll never be righteous. 
by law keeping, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. I need a righteousness. I don't have a righteousness. Therefore, I trust Christ, and in Christ I have a divine righteousness. So God meant from eternity where he foreknew us that his son would be the means by which he would have a family and the son would need to die for our sins and live a perfect life for our justification. And because of these two things, our call and our justification, all the predestined will be glorified. Which means that now we have an absolutely rock-solid foundation for all things will work together for good. And the argument that they will is we're foreknown, we're predestined, we are called, we are justified, and we are glorified, and glorification is the conformity to the image of the Son, which is the, oops, the good that everything is working toward. And in doing it this way, not only do we receive massive uh, security and assurance that everything will work together for our good in this life, but Christ is exalted as our older brother, because he is both the ground of our glorification and the goal of our glorification, because we, we know that this, from 8.17, is glorification with him.